welcome to the How's the Market podcast, a podcast for first home buyers and investors. I'm your host today, a solo host, Jonah Howard. Tristan, Tristan is away today, so I'm jumping on here. I think we're going to dive into floor plans and understanding and analyzing floor plans. I'm kind of uniquely qualified, I guess, to talk about this topic. I was a building designer in a past life before I was a buyer's agent. So yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that. But first, Geelong's update and probably Melbourne's as well. Yeah, very busy out there. I had like 16, 16 people to an open in Lara, which is, which is probably the most I've seen in the past six months. So it's really picking up going into spring. Everyone's out and about. The people want to buy. Interest rates have halted. Yeah, I think there's a lot of competition out there. It was the first inspection for this house. And as I was leaving, I asked, yeah, how, what's, the, what's kind of the interest here? And they said they've already had two offers before, before I was, the inspection was even over. So, yeah, very busy out there. Um, it's great to see the sun is out. Everyone's keen to buy. And, yeah, it's definitely a, a good time to buy. If you're, if you're a first-time buyer and you're, you're sitting on a deposit and you're waiting for the right time, I really think now's the right time. Um, you're going to have more competition before Christmas, so get out there, get out there and start buying, I think. All right, so understanding and analyzing floor plans. So a little bit about me before I was a buyer's agent. I was a building designer, as I mentioned. I did an advanced diploma of building design at RMIT and then worked at one of the top building design firms in the Riverina. So I'm definitely extra qualified to talk about this topic. I'm probably more picky than most um, about floor plans and the functionality of the floor plans of the properties I purchased probably for that reason. But I think that my clients probably benefit from that. So we're going to deep dive into the five things you should be looking at when assessing a floor plan before inspection. The five key areas we're going to discuss are functionality, bedroom sizes, living room sizes, bathroom layout, and natural light. I think that's probably the five key things that you really want to hit the mark to ensure that that your house is a home. So first topic, so functionality of a floor plan. So functionality of a floor plan is probably the most important topic I think we'll cover today. Before inspecting a property, you should look at the floor plan on realestate.com and get a feel for the function of the home and whether it suits, suits your needs. When inspecting a property, think Think of the day-to-day functions, I guess, that, that you'll be doing. Going into the bathroom, making your morning coffee, working from home, cooking dinner, watching TV, and all the day-to-day activities you'll be doing and how they're going to affect one another. Is there a bathroom close to the lounge room? Is the access to the outdoor area directly linked off the living area for family barbecues or, or I don't know, dinner parties, whatever? Is, is the dining area directly beside the kitchen? Are the, are the sleeping quarters separate from the living quarters for, for noise and, and heating and cooling as well? So you can, you can heat your rooms, your living rooms during the day or, or cool, and then you can switch it at night so, you, so you're not blasting the whole house and you can save electricity bills. And also, does the laundry have exterior access, which is super important? Um, you want to have a door in there as well. If you've got a dryer, you know you'll probably know that a fan just isn't enough to kind of yeah keep away the mold. So having a door in there that you can open as well is really important. 
Also, the garage, if you have one or a carport, is it easily accessible from the living areas? Because you don't want to be carrying your groceries, I don't know, 200 meters to get to to get to your kitchen. So, is it directly is it directly linked off the garage and the carport? Really, you just need to inspect the property and ensure it fits your day to day needs. Uh, are they going to coincide with each other well? So, if you study or you're working from home, just get it, just get a feel for it. Is it, is it going to work well? Do you have a separate study? Um, do you have a big enough bedroom to be able to work potentially from there? Can it fit a desk? If you've got a three-by-three three bedroom, which we're going to dive into later, if you've got a three-by-three three bedroom and you have a child or a teenager that wants to study you know, for high school, for their exams or whatever, they're not going to have enough space um, to study, so you're going to need to study. So all that kind of stuff... Um, it really needs to needs to be considered, but it really is is person to person and and family to family. But if you have a good functional floor plan, then it's really it makes the difference between between a house and a home. I think and and once you move into a house that has poor flow, if you do, and poor functionality, you're really going to notice it, and it's really going to affect your life. Really, so yeah, functionality super important. Look at it before you go to a property. Look at the floor plan. And then when you get there, get a feel for it as well. Um, it's something that probably gets overlooked when you're there. You, you don't really think about that. You're looking at yeah, how big are the bedrooms, uh, nice windows, how's the kitchen, bathroom, etc. But you're not really thinking about the function day to day, which is probably more important. All right. So bedroom sizes. So a typical bedroom should always have enough length and width. So for the kids play or, or not a master bedroom, so always have enough length and width to fit a queen bed and bedside tables. So you need to be able to have a bed, bedside tables, and you need to be able to walk around the bed comfortably. So I think the minimum requirement would be three by three. Ideally, they, you'd want them to be bigger than that, but I think that's a minimum requirement. Um, you'll notice that all all the new homes and land packages, you know, house and land packages from Metricon and all those, they have all bedroom sizes are generally three by three, besides the master, because they want to get the most bang for their buck. But that's probably not going to suit suit a family with teenagers that need to study, unless you have a separate study. So you're not going to be able to fit a desk, chair, everything like that in a bedroom if it's three by three. So that's all, all things to consider. A master bedroom should always have enough space to fit a king bed with bedside tables as well and for two people to be able to walk around. So for that reason, I think the minimum requirement would be three by 3.6 by 3.6. Again, ideally, you'd like a master bedroom bigger than this, but the size, yeah, that should probably be the, the bare minimum to look at. If it's smaller than that, then, then you're really going to have problems, problems day to day. So living area sizes, living area sizes is kind of hard. It really is dependent on your family and, and how big it is and what they're doing, etc. So, of course, yeah, you spend you spend more time in the living areas rather than your bedrooms. More waking time anyway. So you really should be maximising the space that are in these living areas. You, if you if you had to, you would cut space. From your bedroom, if the bedrooms are smaller, but your living areas are large, then then that's better than your bedrooms being really big and your living areas being really small. So, I'm not going to give exact minimum sizes for your living areas, but 
It really because it really is dependent on the size of your family, with consideration in whether your family will grow in the future. Before purchasing a property, I would even before inspecting a property, you should always envision the layout of living areas and and where will the TV go, where will the lounge go, where will the dining table go? Is there enough space for all members of your family to to comfortably enjoy the space? If you know that you're super interested in a property and considering putting in an offer, you should measure your current furniture and walk it out in person or print it out and draw it over to scale um, to ensure the space is suited to your needs and your potential needs in the future. If you're just a couple and you're potentially looking, or maybe you don't want kids now, but three years down the line, you've bought a property and now you want kids and, and now you have to buy another property. So think about your future and think about what you might want in the future. If you have young kids now, think about when they grow up. Then, yeah, they might not be need a study desk right now, but when they grow up, they will. So, yeah, is your bedroom big enough for a desk and chair, or does it have a study? If it has a study, then you don't need to worry about that. Potentially, yeah, three by three room is fine. So, yeah, that's living area sizes. It really is dependent on your family, but I would be measuring out your furniture before you before you. Yeah, purchase a property and make sure that it fits well, it functions well, and I, I think you'll be fine. So natural light and energy efficiency. So it really is kind of the base of residential architecture, um, natural light. So ensuring sufficient natural light to all living areas is essential and can really be a wow factor with a property. We've all walked into a home with an abundance of natural light in the living areas and gone, wow, this feels, this feels amazing. That's because it gives a it gives a warm feel, and in a way you're connected to nature because there's a lot of sun coming in. If you go into a dark room, it feels like a jail cell. It feels like there's no life in there. So natural light not only saves on electricity bills, but it also gives your house a homey, bright, warm feel. There's even significant health benefits to having lots of natural light in your home, like vitamin D, and eliminating the possibility of mold. So if you have a lot of sunlight, then it's a, it's a lack of sunlight that creates mold and a lack of oxygen. So if you've, got, if you've got, yeah, a lot of sun and a lot of natural light coming in, you're really not going to have, have mold issues. So yeah, a huge problem with these new house and land packages is they just pick the same floor plan and they just dump it on each property, on each lot. So with absolutely no consideration to natural light and the configuration of the home in relation to the sun. If you're buying an older home as well, usually yeah they haven't given much consideration to natural light, but but yeah, yeah there's ways to there's ways to get around it. Perhaps add, adding fans to certain rooms so there's no mold, skylights, stuff like that can, can make it more can more functional and, and and better energy efficiency and natural light. Preferably, you want your living areas to face north. Of course, we've all heard that. You want the northern sunlight. Um, you want that for for majority of the day, but facing facing east is also really good. So you can get the morning sun in your living areas. So when you're making your coffee, you're having breakfast, whatever, you get that nice morning sun. You can even see the sunrise. You can feel that that warm orange light as well in the morning. That that can be that can be really amazing. Be sitting at the breakfast table and and you can feel the feel the sun rising. I think that's that's really good. Ideally for me, I always designed my my dining rooms facing east because yeah you, i think that's really special in the morning and, and starts probably your day off nicely and yeah you definitely want your, your living areas facing north for sure 
um, you get you get natural light yeah through the whole day. You're gonna maximise your natural light as well. So ideally, you don't want your living areas facing west because the wet, the the sun is at its harshest in the west, and it's really gonna cook your room and cook your living room. And and you're gonna spend a lot in summer. You're gonna spend a lot on cooling that room. Also, it's super harsh. You know, you're driving in the sun, and and you're driving when the sun's setting. I don't know six six o'clock, five thirty, whatever it is, whatever time of year it is. And you get that harsh sun, and you can't even see. So you, if you're going to get that in your living areas, yeah, it can it can be it can be trouble. So bedroom windows as well. I'll, I'll I'll touch on that. If they're facing west, and you've got a big you've got a big western window in your bedroom, it's going to absolutely cook your bedroom, and it's going to be super hot. And during summer, and it's, that's going to be absolutely torture. So. Just look at the bedroom. Sometimes you can't avoid it. Sometimes bedrooms face west. You can't avoid it. And But you just want to have a, a smaller window, potentially with double glazing, and, and it's not going to cook your room. If it's if it's an older home or even if it's a cheap home, cheap cheap reno or whatever, it could have like a really thin pane of glass and that is just going to absolutely cook your room. So yeah, something to think about as well. Yeah, natural light, super important. Um, you'll see with new renovations and stuff all in the architecture magazines and yeah that that's all about natural light it gives us a warm nice beautiful feel a homey feel and, and that's what you want so bathroom layer perhaps the biggest mistake i see in homes particularly older homes is not utilizing the space within bathrooms correctly it's difficult for me to kind of convey the what a bathroom layout should be without you know drawing it and showing you and you're just listening right now but just think about your day-to-day activities, particularly in the morning. If you're a family of four with a bathroom with all utilities in there, bath, shower, basin, how is that going to look in the morning when everyone is getting ready? So if someone needs to poo, someone needs to have a shower, and someone needs to brush their teeth all at the same time, how is that going to work? It's not going to work. So yeah, I think the best use of space is a, is a three-way bathroom. But if you're buying established, which we always recommend, I highly doubt you're going to have a three-way bathroom. It was kind of discovered in the early 2000s, so that they don't really exist. That, but that's it. That's a great example of of high-functioning bathroom. So someone, uh, uh, it's hard for me to convey, kind of, just on a podcast. But it's where you have a separate toilet, you have a separate basin. And then you have a separate shower and bath. So someone can brush their teeth, someone can do a number two, and someone can be in the shower all at the same time and you're not in each other's way and you're not naked in front of each other. So, But I think an absolute non-negotiable and should be a non-negotiable for you is having a separate toilet. If you have a separate toilet, then you're going to be fine. A three-hour bathroom is ideal, but you're not you're probably not going to get that in Melbourne, Sydney, these types of, these types of you know, um, older kind of areas in the inner city but if you have a separate toilet then that should be the goal so someone can just do their business and someone can have a shower brush their teeth and 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 everything's fine so that's the five topics i think i think if you hit all those and you just have an understanding of those um so that when you're looking at a floor plan so before you're inspecting property just look at the floor plan look at these kind of areas make sure make sure it hits most of them hits them all and at least you have an understanding of this when going forward because you don't want to move into a home that you haven't thought about the function, you haven't thought about where your lounge is going to go, where your TV is going to go, where your bed's going to go, is it going to fit? Oh, I've got a king bed, it doesn't fit. 
It's like all these things you have to think about. Um, yeah, when assessing a floor plan, and I think you'll be in good stead if you, if you take all this into consideration. Okay, so in the media, I actually did a video about Airbnb, I think two days ago on my Instagram. So if you follow me on Instagram, it's Jonah underscore Tommy underscore Geelong. Follow me on Instagram. Yeah, I actually spoke about this, spoke about Airbnb recently. So in the media, the article is titled, Victoria unveils Airbnb tax and plan to build 800,000 new homes. Sorry. So short stay rental properties in Victoria will be hit with a 7.5% tax as part of a raft of housing changes announced by the state government to unlock housing supply. The government says revenue raised from the levy will go to Homes Victoria to build and maintain social and affordable housing across the state, including 20, 25% for regional areas. PropTrack senior economist Paul Ryan said the levy was designed to reduce the competitiveness of short-stay accommodation and will likely push a marginal number of property owners to either rent their homes out or longer-term leases or sell up. To support renters, the government will also extend laws around rental building, bidding. In 2021, real estate agents and landlords were banned from encouraging higher offers than the advertised price, but now become illegal to accept bids. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a rental crisis in Australia, and Airbnb, I think, is a massive part of it. So on, on my video that I did on my Instagram and TikTok, I spoke about that I booked a, as you can see, I'm wearing my Collingwood scarf, footy tomorrow. I booked an Airbnb. Me and my friends are going to the game. We booked an Airbnb in the city and I was looking at all the options and there was thousands of Airbnb options. And that's why there is a rental crisis. It's all these short-term stay accommodation because if these properties weren't on Airbnb, they'd be up for rent. So yeah, I think, I think the government stepping in to do this is good. Obviously, I enjoy Airbnb. I use it myself. And everyone enjoys Airbnb. It's it's awesome. It's a great it's a great idea, great invention, and we all kind of enjoy it. I think everyone kind of uses it. But if people are struggling to get rental houses, I think we can sacrifice a, a holiday away, and we're just going to have to get a motel or something instead. But we can sacrifice having Airbnb for someone to have a house. So yeah, Airbnb is getting taxed. So I think that that's pretty big news. Seven point five percent. Um, yeah, and I think I think that's everything for today. Hopefully, you learn a bit, little bit. If you have any questions, hit me on Instagram, um, Jonah underscore Tommy underscore Geelong. And yeah, thanks everyone, and talk next week.